0: And then you asked me that same question and it marked me. And I don't know if you remember what that question was, but you were wrestling with if if you had two weeks to pour into someone everything that they needed to know about being a disciple of Jesus, what would you tell them and what would you teach them if you only had two weeks?
1: Welcome to the Exponential Groups podcast. I'm your host, Alan White. This podcast is designed to help you take the guesswork out of groups. In each episode, you will discover effective ways to recruit more leaders, form better groups, and make more disciples. Please subscribe to this monthly podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to episode five. Today's guest is Monica Lee. Monica is the community and discipleship pastor at Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Radiant Church, led by senior pastor Lee Cummings, is a multi-site church and is the parent of the Radiant Network of Churches. Monica began her career in corporate America before transitioning into ministry staff. She's a lifelong Michigander, and she loves to spend time with Matt, her husband of 19 years, and their two teenage children, Gavin and Taylor. Together, they share a love for family time, travel, and adventure. To access the show notes, go to alanwhite.org forward slash episode five. Now my interview with Monica Lee. Well, Monica, welcome to the Exponential Groups podcast.
0: Thank you, Alan. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Hey, so uh, let's talk a little bit about how you do discipleship and groups at uh, Radiant Church. So a person walks through the door of Radiant Church. What, what, what are your hopes for that person?
0: you know that's a, that's a great question and walking through the front doors of our church looks a lot different than it did a year ago so our hopes for the people who are walking in applies not only to the people in our physical campus but also on our online campus which brings a really fun <clears throat> Excuse me, which brings a really fun dynamic. So our, our goals for the people who walk in, though, hasn't changed. Our mission statement is that we lead people to become radiant disciples of Jesus Christ. And whether they're online or whether they're walking into our physical campuses, that is our goal for them. And our, our pastor did a series on discipleship here last year. And I love the way that he defined disciple. He said, a disciple is someone who finds, follows, and is becoming fully formed to be like Jesus. And that's our our goal for everyone who walks in our doors or joins us online and engages online, that they would find, follow, and become fully formed to be more like Jesus.
1: So let's talk a little bit about what you specifically do um, to engage your online um, congregation. Um, How is that different than what's in, in person and how is that the same?
0: You know, I, that's something that we as a church, and I think a lot of churches, are starting to, to learn and explore in a greater way. COVID brought the opportunity, to, opportunity for us to launch an online campus in a new way. While we'd always had a presence, we learned that, that there was an engagement opportunity for our online audience. And all of a sudden, we were having people join us from around the world. So it really expanded the audience that we had here at Radiant. And our our engagement is the same. We still encourage, you know, I I think a lot of churches have gone and moved from the attractional model to a model of engagement. And whether you're in, in the physical building or whether you're watching from online, and we actually don't even like to use the word watching online, as you're praying with us online, as you're worshiping with us online, as you're engaging with us online, we have those same discipleship tools that we're using to meet the people online as well. And obviously there are a lot of tweaks because their environment is different, but we're, we're really working on using a lot of our same engagement tools to reach our online audience as well with some little tweaks here and there, it really can be done. And we're finding a lot of success in doing that.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. And I think that, you know, you look at the early church and uh, they went into to the ends of the earth uh, because of persecution they got out of Jerusalem went to Judea and Samaria so you're doing that because of the pandemic and I think what we can we can all agree with because people are grousing against this I mean and we're used to a certain model and counting nickels and noses and that's how we feel like we're being effective and all of that but the reality is God's spirit is present everywhere so if you know If the pastor is online and the person is online and they're in different locations, different continents, anywhere, God's spirit is still there and can do the same work. It's just different from us and what we're used to doing. Right. Um, So I love that. I love that. Um, So here's here's kind of a broad question. Um, going back to discipleship, how do you make disciples at your church? What does that look like? And I hate to use the word process because we're not manufacturing widgets, but how do you make disciples? Right.
0: You know, I think it's it's a multifaceted approach. And we we really have learned to be true to who we are as a church. God has given us a unique DNA and you know, really poured in our our lead, our senior pastor, Pastor Lee Cummings, he's a brilliant Bible teacher, but he also is such an inspired visionary. And the Lord's given him great vision for who we are as a church and our core values. And we've really used that to, to shape the way that we disciple people. You know, when he launched the church, the Lord called him to be a praying and a worshiping church. So that is one of the ways that we really love to engage people. We believe that as as they meet the presence of the Lord that they're changed and that presence can change everything in their life. So you know when I hate to keep going back to covid but covid really did modify everything that we, that we've done. And really I think for the the big C for the church as a whole really modified the way that that we're reaching people. But when covid first struck, and we're in Michigan, so our state was shut down completely, and our pastors were gathered and saying, what can we do? There's a lot that we can't do, but what can we do? And one of the ideas was to have a a daily prayer meeting at 8 a.m., and our senior pastor, Pastor Lee, uh, agreed to lead that prayer meeting every single day, and all of a sudden it became a huge prayer meeting where people were engaging in their homes, families were worshiping together. As they were uh, being shut down in the pandemic, and that became an extremely large prayer meeting that was that was gathering people from from all over the globe. So we've kept that going. We've always had a culture of prayer, but we've really kept that going. And we have, we've always have, and we will continue to have prayer meetings three times a day. So morning at 8 a.m., you, that's that's televised and you can worship and you can pray with us online and or join us in person. And then at noon and at 6.30 again, we have prayer meetings. That's a big part of our culture. And we encourage people to join us and to experience the presence of God that way and to be changed. You know, other, other ways that we're doing that are our are worships, our are, are Sunday mornings. So one other way that we have a multifaceted approach towards discipleship is through our groups. And that's something that really I've been wrestling with for a few years as the community and discipleship pastor of really, really blending our community opportunities with the discipleship opportunities so that we can have a greater impact. One of the ways that we do that is our groups have really become discipleship vehicles in our church. As people are joining a group, as people are are leading a group, we're using the language of becoming a disciple maker, and they're actively discipling those people who have been entrusted into their care.
1: That's great. That's great. And we had talked in an earlier conversation because you actually make a distinction between what you would call a small group leader and a disciple maker. What what do you see as the difference between a small group leader and a disciple maker?
0: That's a great question, Alan. And, you know, I do believe that there is, a, a great place for both. Both are very important in the body of Christ. So I'm certainly not minimizing the role of a small group leader. They create connectivity, a space for growth. They, they, really, um, they really knit people into the, the body of Christ and into the church. So I think it's a great retention opportunity as well. But I think disciple makers really takes on a, a, a new shift and a, and a new role. And let me take you back kind of to the origin of, of how this came about in me as I was wrestling with the opportunity to really blend community and discipleship. You probably remember, Alan, a conversation that we were having, one that someone asked you a question that marked you, and then you asked me that same question and it marked me. And I don't know if you remember what that question was, but you were wrestling with if if you had two weeks to pour into someone everything that they needed to know about being a disciple of Jesus, what would you tell them and what would you teach them if you only had two weeks? And, you know, I think that that really, that was something that I really wrestled with of, of two weeks. Wow. What would we do with that opportunity of two weeks in someone's life? And it really allowed me to start thinking and dreaming about our groups because most of our groups have eight weeks, 16 weeks, something like that in our semesters to pour into people's lives. And I I began to dream about the parable of the talents in in Matthew, where, where some were given and they invested and some were given, and they buried. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted our leaders to to live like investors, to live like like those who have an opportunity. We're not guaranteed that someone's going to be in groups for the rest of their life. We're not we're not guaranteed that. So we have an opportunity with every single person who joins our group. So we really pour into our leaders that the the call on them to to be to invest in the people that have been entrusted to their care and to be disciple maker, to grow them, to be intentional. We use that language of disciple makers with our leaders now, that they're not just leaders, they're disciple makers. And and through that, we we ask them to truly invest in the people that have been entrusted in their care for that season. And and what does that look like? That looks like investing in them in in a deeper level. Sometimes it looks like keeping our groups in a smaller size so that they are able to invest in the way that that they truly. Really need to invest, but truly going deep, investing in them, um, having, having deep conversations, having accountability, taking them to the next level in their faith, giving them opportunity when there when there's a next step. Uh, that, that seems right for them, having those challenging conversations. So I think it goes beyond hosting and, and popping in a video, but it's really a, it's a mind shift of, 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 of hosting and popping in a video, but doing that with the intentionality of, I have the opportunity to pour deep into someone during this time and, and potentially during the week as well but I have the opportunity to go really deep to create opportunity for for the Lord to move for him to speak and for us to say what are we going to do about it because that's the fully formed piece of being fully formed like Jesus is when he speaks we need to we need to do what he says to do and so our leaders all have that opportunity and and it's it's a work in progress it's not perfect but we're training them to have that lens of, of investment that lens of, of knowing that that there is something deep there's a deep work that God wants to do in the life of every single person that he brought to their group and allowing them to step up and step into that challenge. And we really train them that when you have, when you have oversight into someone's life, you have the unique insight into their life. So to really utilize that, to lean into that and to disciple the people in their care.
1: That's good. That's good. Now I, I know just from my own experience and probably from some of the folks listening to the podcast um, what you just described sounds amazing, but for some of them, they're reluctant to put those kinds of expectations on their leaders. So how did, how did your leaders, how did they react to that? Um, was it off-putting to some of them or did they rally? What, what does that look like?
0: You know, I think that that it comes down to to this. First of all, you have to express it. Write the vision and make it plain so that he who hears it can run with it. And that was something that that we really we really did often was expressing the importance. I think that you know many people come into our churches already having led groups, and each church has a unique DNA of what their what their groups look like. And so that we really took that opportunity to cast the vision. So any time before someone leads a group, they, they are sent through our leader training, but it's not just that leader training. It's an, it's a constant communication as we're communicating with them we don't always use the term leaders hey disciple makers as as we're talking about opportunities as you're discipling those who have been entrusted in your care you know so it's it's a vision piece of course that that we laid out and we continue to lay out and i think people get really excited about that because you know so often we'll say you'll hear someone say yes ho- you know hospitality is a gift of mine or leadership is a gift of mine but There is a definite spiritual gift of leadership, but we are all called to be followers of Jesus and fulfill the great commission of of creating disciples of Jesus. So I think that opportunity, and when we cast that vision, it really excites people. Because what we find in our churches, if we look, that that we find people who are learning how to be disciples, and we have very few who who know how to be disciple makers. So we are giving them an opportunity to walk out the great commission that Jesus laid out for them. And I think it's a great opportunity and people get excited when they, when they hear that they can actually, when they can do this. So we, we give them the vision and we plan for it. We, we, we spend a lot of our time preparing tools to help them disciple others. We've shifted from just giving resource beyond resource. And we've started you know, giving, instead of leader resources, we give discipleship tools, tools for them to take their their participants to the next level. And then I think the the final part of that is that we equip them to walk in it. We're, We're here for them. We are, if they have any questions, we're always available for them. But I think the best thing that we do to equip them is every leader gets a coach. And we believe that the best thing that we can give you as a disciple maker is someone who's discipling you themselves and so each of our leaders is equipped with a a coach who we affectionately refer to as a spiritual mother and father who's helping them walk through the things that they need to walk through and modeling that with our leaders so that they can become disciple makers to the people who have been entrusted in their care so it's it's a small shift but it's a very it's a small shift in 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 Theory, I think, because I think it's it's a very easy shift from a leader to a disciple maker, but it's a big shift in how you express it, how you plan for it, and how you equip them to walk in it. Have been very very excited about it. Very little, in fact, I haven't heard any reluctance from any of our leaders in in that because they're excited at the opportunity to walk in the Great Commission that that Jesus had for them.
1: That's good. That's good, and I think in a lot of ways, you know, language determines culture. And so, um, you know, the expectations that you set, that you're clear, um, the fact that you're you are calling them disciple makers, you know, because Jesus said to go and make disciples. He didn't say go to make small groups. He didn't say go and make go and have worship services. Even though we do those things, he said to go and make disciples. And um, <clears throat> you wonder sometimes Jesus would say, you know, you only had one job, and. <laughs> But I like the sense of urgency. I like the thinking of if you only had someone for two weeks, what would you do with them? Because a lot of times, and I've been guilty of this, a lot of times, you know, we think we have this luxury of time. And sometimes we lead a ministry as if we're on vacation and forget that we're actually at war. And, uh, you know, there's a lot at stake. So I I like your approach. Now you had mentioned the tools that you give to your disciple makers. Could you describe some of those tools for us? Well, 2021 hasn't quite turned out the way that we thought it would. It's not 2020, thank God, but it's also not 2019. The world has changed. Our people have changed. Hybrid life seems to be here to stay. People are craving community, but they're keeping certain things virtual and they're being pickier overall about how to spend their time. How do we move forward with small groups in 2021? I'll give you a hint. It's not by moving backward. That's why I'm offering the 2021 Small Group Reset, Five Days to Reframe Your Ministry. This free on-demand video resource will help you navigate the changing culture within your church. Sign up at allenwhite.org forward slash reset. That's A-L-L-E-N-W-H-I-T-E.org slash reset and start today. Fall 2021 looks to be the greatest group launch opportunity you've ever seen. Let me guide you in getting prepared.
0: That's a great question in regards to the tools. And I think some are very easy and very accessible to us. One that we've brought on that I know a lot of other churches are doing is is providing our leaders with a message-based curriculum. And what's beautiful about that is that first of all it's a unity piece for our church, but I talk to so the unifying of our message. You know, if you have a you have a pastor who is praying about the, what to preach, when to preach it, how to preach it, inspired by God on what to preach and delivering a message. And so often we can be we can walk away. You know, I I think of of James, of you looking at your natural face in the mirror and walking away and forgetting what you look like. And I think that happens to so many people in our churches, unfortunately, as they leave the sanctuary, go to get their kids, go home, make lunch, ask their kids what they learned about in Sunday school. And the kids will turn around and say, mom, dad, what did you learn? And you have to pause for a second because you've walked away. And I love the unifying piece of our message-based curriculum, bringing people back to that. But what we do with ours is it's a one-stop shop for our leaders. It's a discipleship next steps. We offer those in there. Some sound bites. We offer all of the scriptures that, that the pastor spoke about that weekend, and then we go into um, we we go into some some deep questions to take it deeper into contemplation. And after that. We finish up with an opportunity for people to say, this is how the Lord is leading me. This is what he's saying, and this is what I'm going to do about it. And then every week, our groups start off with that discipleship piece of accountability and saying, how did you do? You know, the Lord gave you something to work on last week. How did you do? Did you evangelize to that person at work? Did you buy coffee for for this person? Did you restore that relationship? Did you change your thinking? Did you seek God in a new way? Tell me how you did. And every single week we create that opportunity. So if someone's wanting a small piece to make a a discipleship culture and they're already doing the message-based curriculum, that's a great discipleship piece to start to add in. You know, something else that we do for our leaders is whenever we have anything coming up that is a di- discipleship opportunity, they're the first to know because they're, they're the active disciple makers. And we let our disciple makers know. So they, they're inviting people to be baptized, they're inviting people to, to their next steps. And then uh, one other tool that I just want to mention that we rolled out last year was just, it has a really fancy name and it's just our discipleship next steps tool. So uh, super fancy. We we spend a lot of time on the name, but that's one of my favorite pieces that we have because it allows our our disciple makers at the end of every semester, at the end of every semester, we know is a critical piece. It's a make it or, or break it. Is someone going to continue on? Are the seeds that we planted going to flourish? What's that going to look like? And so this next step tool really really equips the leaders in three ways. You start off by celebrating growth and, and you sit down and you connect with that person who was in your group and you say, you know, before, and, and we give them a full list of things to choose from, or obviously they can choose from their own observations, but we want to equip them the best that we can. And they'll sit down and they'll the first thing that they'll do is celebrate growth. When you came to this group, you were afraid to even pray out loud. And then we saw you praying for Sally and we saw a breakthrough and there's a testimony there. So we really take the time to celebrate the growth that we've seen in that person. The second part is that the leader points out, Hey, these spiritual gifts, I see this gift. Gift in you, And I want to encourage you to begin to walk in that. That's part of the plan that God has for you is to walk in the spiritual gift. And I see this. So I want to encourage you to take these next steps. And then the final portion is, you know, kind of where do we go from here? What are your next steps? Join another group. Um, Maybe it's something like restore a relationship. They can go as as deep as they feel like they need to go with those people. But really what we want to do is encourage everyone who is invested in that season to realize their growth because that's a huge part of discipleship. Know from where you came and have that testimony. Know how you've been made and know what you're called to do moving forward and your next steps to growing closer to Jesus. And we have our leaders do that with each person who is engaged in their group. So it's a, it's a, it's just a culture that we've built to allow them to go deeper. And we give them permission to go deep and to pour into the lives of people. And they love it. They love the opportunity and they love when you give them tools to make it easier for them as well.
1: Yeah. And that, to me, that sounds just amazing. Cause I think the, the affirmation of this is where you were, and this is where you are now. Because a lot of people don't pause to evaluate, and we right. sometimes we look at all of the things that we're not, that we don't stop to celebrate. You know what God has done in our life, and I think the other thing too is that the I see you are calling out of someone things that you recognize because people feel like sometimes you know the things that they're gifted in must it's so natural to them it must be the same for everybody else, and right. yet. And even in my own life, having people say, you know, you have a particular, you know, ability to do this. And I and I'm like, I, I thought everybody did that. I, I didn't know. Maybe I was just dumb. That could be. But um, anyway, yeah. and I love it. And then, and then the other thing that gets me and there's a part of me, you know, we, we've worked together before, but there's a part of me sure. that, you know, my name's Alan and I'm a recovering control freak. Right. But this idea that you ask them about their next step, but you don't record that anywhere. It doesn't go into a database. It's the reliance then of now that they've articulated their next step, then you're relying on God's spirit to lead them along to the next place. Are you finding that people are actually following through with their next steps or am I just too worried about this?
0: You know, honestly, as as a recovering control freak myself, that's something (laughs) that, that I do think about. That's something that I do think about. But what we have to realize is that we've had an entire semester of trying to teach the participants how to be a disciple and to react when the Lord's breathing on something. And so we have to put that trust in what we've created and also the trust in that relationship that rarely, very rarely do people have a great experience in groups and then fall off the face of the earth and never speak with their leader or the disciple maker after that. The leader by that point is invested, not only. They invested in the people, but they're emotionally invested in the relationship as well. So we do really. I do feel like it uh, wouldn't be appropriate for us to take all of those deep next steps and store them in a database. But we do. We connect with our leaders, and our coaches are connecting with our leaders. We're gathering stories. We're gathering testimonies, and so we do all of those things. And we have to trust that at the end of the day, and at the end of the semester, rather that the Lord has created a discipleship mindset. He shifted a mindset to, to have the the participants think more like a disciple and for the leaders to think more like a disciple maker. And we really have to trust that process to keep going. And you know, that we can't force discipleship. We can't force people to make those next steps. So we just really have to, to pray really hard and trust that the Lord's going to, to really breathe on that and, and continue that going. Generally, everyone has a next step of joining another group. <laughs> that's just kind of built in. With If you have passionate people who are who are leading groups and they love that they know the life change and the impact that, that groups uh, bring, you better bet that's going to be one of the things that they list on someone's next step. So I'm sure that that's part of it. However, it goes far beyond that and really goes in, into, it, it really goes deep. And we give people the opportunity and give Give leaders the privilege to make a difference in people's lives in a substantial way. And I truly believe that that shift will allow people to go back. And, you know, we all have those, those mountaintop moments with the Lord where we've just experienced him in a great way, or we've grown in a tremendous manner or fashion. And I really believe that this little shift makes groups be those mountaintops. And it's something that people point back to of maybe they've never had someone invest in them ever. You know, we're, we we live in a society with with broken families where people are coming to our church in a broken way. So people are craving to be Great Commission workers, but people are also craving to have someone pour into them in, in a unique way like that. So I really believe that it's, it's a healing as well as a, a Great Commission opportunity.
1: Yeah, that's great. And, you know, we're obviously all a work in progress until we take our last breath. Absolutely. There's we have a next step. Uh, Marcus Buckingham said years ago, he said, the problem with people is they're just never done. Um, So we're not like we can cross the finish line and go, oh, we don't have to worry about that person anymore. We don't have to worry about ourselves anymore. There's always always something going. Absolutely. Well, Monica, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
0: Well, thank you. It was a pleasure being here, Ellen.
1: Well, Monica and I ran out of time. We wanted to really get into the idea of a theology of trials and suffering related to spiritual growth. From our own personal experience, we both have children with special needs. So what I'm going to do for you is offer a bonus episode in a couple of weeks. Look for that episode. It's only going to be about 15 minutes long, but I want to share this with you. I want it to be set apart from the rest of this conversation. So look forward to that. Thank you for listening today. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss that bonus episode. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye.